Hello, what is up? And welcome to Off the Books, where we're surfing the uncharted waters of accounting, of finance, and wherever else those waves take us. I'm Drew Dubner. I am your host. I am not an accountant, but I like asking questions of people who are, so finance professionals can do their jobs better. We've got a totally tubular show today with two fantastic stars. We've got Steve Soder and Ben Taylor. Steve, would you tell the fine folks at home who you are? Certainly. Thank you, Drew. Happy to be here. Steve Soder, accounting enthusiast, Diet Coke aficionado. I'm looking forward to debiting intelligence today as we dig into some crypto stuff. This is going to be a great conversation. Bueno. And Ben? Hi, I'm Ben Taylor, co-founder and CEO of SoftLedger. We're helping companies close their books on day one. And we delve into some accounting complexities, including crypto assets, which is uh, what we're going to be talking about today. Absolutely. Yeah. So in today's episode, we're going to take a quick dip into the world of cryptocurrency. That was a play on words. When you say cryptocurrency, you know, Ben, I, I think Bitcoin. Um, all the hoopla from a couple years ago where a bunch of nerds on Reddit made a glob of money and then that whole Bitcoin market crashed. Facebook even talked about making their own cryptocurrency for a while. It was a really big deal. And it was headline news in CNN or Fox News or wherever you get your news. But at least in the pop culture limelight, it kind of dried up. But your argument here is cryptocurrency is still out there. And according to you, it's more relevant than ever. So start from square one here. What is cryptocurrency and why are people interested in it still? Uh, yeah, thanks, Drew. That's yeah. I mean, we've definitely seen some support ups and downs in, in interest over the years. And um, I think at a, at a high level, what cryptocurrency is, is it's a these it's digital representations of money or different assets uh, generally that rely on um, some distributed network. So uh, blockchains are, are good for this. And the reason why people are interested is, and it, it's been fascinating because it kind of spans the gamut of a lot of different disciplines is, um, you know, one of the things is just being able to transmit money easily from person to person with that, with um, a lot of people like to say it's trustless. It's not necessarily trustless, but you know, maybe there's less steps in the process that you have to trust. So you don't need as many intermediaries to uh, transact between different parties. Uh, that's one way. And then, you know, there's, there's a whole bunch of uh, other applications for it potentially. And that's, you know, that, that has led to kind of a, a surge of, of interest, both from uh, people that are genuinely interested in, in using this technology to to um, to implement technological innovations, and then from maybe some more opportunistic folks that figure this might be a way to create a bunch of coins and raise money. And so it kind of, uh, yeah, that that's that 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 it might be what you saw around the 2017 2018 timeframe. That's tapered off a little bit, but the uh, the serious projects are still they're still kicking and they're still um, you know, at, when you haven't heard much from them in the past couple of years, they're actually doing some pretty, pretty interesting things. The ones that are, are still around. Hey, Ben, for our audience and even for me, I'm wondering when I think about um, the type of transactions you're describing, I think about Venmo. I understand Venmo is not uh, cryptocurrency, nor is it on the blockchain, at least as far as I know. Can, but, but to me, that seems fairly instant and, and, and seamless. I'm, I'm certain you're going to tell us it's not. But, but for our audience, can you kind of 
describe the difference? What makes cryptocurrency different from something like Venmo that appears to be instant? Sure. So I guess there's probably two main themes to think about here is the first one's Bitcoin, which is kind of separate from the rest of the cryptocurrencies because it was the first and it was really the first um, thing that established a way to uh, kind of mimic what happens when you hand somebody a dollar, but with people that could be on opposite sides of the globe. So uh, there's this thing that has a limited supply. Um, it's got, you know, it's mathematically sound kind of how it how it's minted and how transactions are processed on the network. Um, and and so that that's kind of it, it, it's kind of its own own thing in that way. It's not it's not necessarily exactly like you think of Venmo, um, but it's got some unique features that are really um, pretty revolutionary. Uh, then separately, you have a, a representation of some sort of value where it's on a blockchain. You can you can maybe remove some components of the stack that. Um, that you, that you have when you process a Venmo transaction. So you're still relying on a bank with that and, and others in the, in the chain. Ultimately, I think one, the, you know, uh, international payments and some of these payments, um, uh, projects really take off. It'll feel like Venmo to the end user. I think that's the goal is that you're not talking about blockchains or crypto or anything. You're just be able to pay somebody uh, across the globe easier with less hoops to jump through. And for, for clarity there, uh, blockchain is kind of like an auditable record of all transactions. Is that how you'd summarize that? Um, kind of, yeah. It's I mean, it's essentially just um, a, as it's used is it, it, the, the term is it's usually used to describe a distributed ledger where it's there's there's a bunch of computers around the world that are verifying that this the current state of that ledger is correct. And as as transactions happen basically consensus is achieved by all these, these, these separate processors, all, all agreeing on that current state of the, of the ledger, if that makes sense. And it just gets longer and longer. Um, and so, yeah, for auditing purposes, that's great, of course, uh, because it's, everyone's agreeing on the same source of truth. So to distinguish, let's say a Bitcoin transaction versus the, you know, 35 bucks my kid just sent me through Venmo, it sounds like what you're saying is that, Number one, there's going to be some some friction costs, let's call it, that go along with something like Venmo because it's got a, a bank or a credit card and a processor, all of which are going to kind of have their hands in the transaction, which ultimately drives cost. But then the other side is that from an auditing standpoint, if you really wanted to audit that Venmo transaction, you would then actually need to get into each of those parties to the transaction as opposed to you know, Bitcoin, just as an example, recorded on the blockchain where that blockchain becomes the single source of truth for everybody. It, it, was that a fair was that a fair summarization, Ben, of what you just said? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think that that's a good um, you know that's a good example of the trade offs between the two. Is um, you can see it's all public uh, if you know how to look at it. You can see and you know which sides of which wallet addresses on either side of a transaction belong to who. Um, anyone can see what happened with a Bitcoin transaction. Well, note to self, I'll need to have my uh, my son send me 35 bitcoins next time instead of $35. That would be better. A <laughs> little bit different. So, so, Ben, it's interesting as you've described this, we've talked a little bit about the blockchain and distributed ledgers. What can you tell us about 
various types of businesses that have sprung up that rely on cryptocurrency that's kind of based on this blockchain technology and distributed ledgers? Sure. Yeah. Um, so, you know, obviously the first use case that really grabs everyone's attention is, um, you know, price grabs everyone's attention. So uh, trading these these assets uh, is a big thing. So exchanges came up um, pretty early to do that and, and, and ATMs as well. You know, people need a way to access these. Um, and those also serve to as, as fiat, uh, you know, uh, normal dollars, euros on ramps for those currencies uh, into into crypto, because then once you're in, depending on which exchange it is, some some of them don't allow you to get on with with dollars or euros. So you got to get into a crypto asset first and, and send it to another exchange. And so that's um, those have those have popped up first. And of course, um, it's a it's a pop, it's an attractive model because you, you make transaction fees on those. So as long as there's a lot of people transacting on your platform, you can make uh, a lot of a, a pretty good business off of that. So just to clarify, when you say kind of on ramp off ramp, what you're really meaning is taking something that's based in a currency like U.S. dollar, getting that on to some type of cryptocurrency as like an on ramp, and then the off ramp, of course, is the reverse. That that's kind of what you mean. Exactly. Like yep. ATM. Yep. Uh, yeah, an ATM would be an example, or um, an online exchange where you're hooking up your bank account and, and depositing through those. Um, of course, that's an interesting point in the process because that's where you actually a uh, a bank account belongs to a person in or you know is is associated with a person that is living in a physical country, which is um, or a physical location, which is in a country that's governed by the laws of that that country, and so often that's where the bank requirements, uh, like knowing your customer, anti money laundering, um, some of those things come into play. Got it. Thank you. What, what what other businesses are there that have sprung up as a result of this new technology? So uh, there, another one that's that's uh, there's been a, a lot recently on this is it's what they call stable coins, and so that's like um, I, I mentioned earlier Libra um, being uh, an example of that. Uh, they kind of changed their model recently, and 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 that's so they're kind of going more of the stable coin route um, off of euros pounds dollars i think there might be a couple more um but there's a there's a number of, of of currencies like that because as you're trading a really really significant piece of that is you want to be able to 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 trade into bitcoin or ethereum or other assets and then trade back to something that's stable um and so these coins are kind of created to to mimic the underlying uh currency and so it's it, it provides a whole um kind of complex scenario of trying to keep this asset stable as it's traded. So uh, you have to have a certain amount of backing of, of actual dollars if it's back, if it's a, if it's a dollar back stable coin and, and, and keeping it stable is, is usually how uh, there's, there's differing models on how to make money off of it, but it's usually around keeping it stable. You make some uh, transaction fees off of that. So the idea there is to like minimize the volatility of the, the market in general. It's, probably most widely used really just for like arbitrage transaction uh, trades right now. So one example is the price of Bitcoin can really vary depending on, on the exchanges, uh, the exchange that you're on and the, and the sure. area of the world you're in. And so you could have a strategy where you're trading into and out of Bitcoin on a number of exchanges, but this just gives you that safe haven to, to do it. So I guess, um, so I guess, yeah, in a, in a way it kind of keeps the, the market more stable. 
So are you able to just start your own cryptocurrency? Yeah. <laughs> That's if you bizarre. Want, if you wanted to just spin up uh, what, what's called a, a one of the, the protocols of Ethereum that was most commonly used is uh, ERC-20. Um, and so if you, if you want to create an ERC-20 token, it, it will not take long. You could do it pretty quickly. You probably will, you know, during the time that we're on with this podcast, if you were just creating one of those, by the end, you'd have one. Uh, oh, man. Yeah. Stand by the thief coin. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's, uh, so this is why there's thousands and thousands of these, you know. Building an, an underlying business that makes sense and, and actually uh, can be viable in the long term, that's a little bit diff more difficult, I, I think, uh, a, a lot of these these companies realized. Ben, is there a is there like a cryptocurrency graveyard of, of you know, <laughs> these, these currencies that have been started up, maybe had a little bit of action and then have just completely died? I mean, it sounds like sounds like the uh, uh, could be littered with those. Oh, yeah, there's a there are a number of them. Uh, if you if you Google that the, you know cryptocurrency graveyard or some some derivation of that you will you will not be disappointed. <laughs> there are I, and and some of these are actually really you know it's 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 good to joke about some of them but I mean they some of these raised they took a lot of money from a lot of people and did it on uh, not you know they they were not being transparent and kind of you know left people in the lurch so you know some of these. Uh, you know, there's definitely some bad actors that will enter anything. And I think that that kind of gave a lot of the more legitimate projects a, uh, a bad name back. Uh, is it, is there, again, again, I go back to 2017. I mean, that was an absolute just, you know, <laughs> it was a bum rush for, for getting like lots of different projects in. There were really, really legit projects during that time. And, and fortunately, some of them were able to to raise money and, and, and continue to be um, working on on interesting things that that are i think will ultimately be good for the um uh for the crypto ecosystem and you know long term is uh i guess you know technological advances in general but there were definitely some that that yeah just uh really we're not uh playing everything above board i think that's a good place to press pause for this conversation let's hit a commercial break and we'll be right back with Stephen ben Today's episode is brought to you by Workiva. This week in quarantine, I'm Marie Kondoing the house and selling stuff on Craigslist. And, dear listener, is it ever a chore? You write a great, clear advertisement, and these dummies come back and ask a ton of really remarkably asinine questions. Does it work, they ask. Yep, says right there in the ad. It does. Is it broken, they ask. No, it is not. Please read the ad. Would you accept a toaster oven as a trade? No! Triple secret super no. Not a damn chance. You know, other people can be so incredibly frustrating, but sometimes you just got to work with them. Same goes with accounting, finance, and risk. All of your 10Ks and 10Qs and compliance documentation and all that other stuff doesn't live in a vacuum. You've got to work with others to make them. And that's where Workiva can help. Work collaboratively and simultaneously on spreadsheets, and board presentations and documents. Leave comments for people. Send a stack of review reminder emails in a single click. It's amazing. Workiva, it makes working as a team easy and cuts back on the clutter that does not spark joy. Yes, Workiva, check it out. That's Workiva, W-O-R-K-I-V-A dot com slash podcast. 
And welcome back. You know, over the break, Steve, you had a great question about lending. I'll let you ask that one. Sure. Well, I was just thinking about cryptocurrency as a opportunity to make money. Ben had made a comment uh, before the break that when people start a currency, they raise money almost to indicate, hey, I'm going to be issuing this cryptocurrency, uh, invest money with us now, get it on the ground floor as a lot of people use it. It will you know, increase the value, therefore increasing the value of your investment. And that seemed pretty interesting to me, like a very speculative investment. And then it seems like that could get into other areas potentially where instead of investing in a new cryptocurrency startup, people could either be or could be lending money in cryptocurrency. I mean, Ben, I would just love to hear about those potential businesses that rely on this technology. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, there's been a number of uh, companies doing uh, uh, lending and, and offering. Um, basically, it's if you have assets that are that are publicly verifiable on on this on a blockchain, you know, they're sitting in a wallet address. You can see how much somebody has. Then you can borrow money against those. And then because of that, there's an opportunity for companies to offer a percentage for keeping your crypto assets on their platform. And so you're getting something for that. They're, sometimes they're they're providing custody services for those that so you have a little bit more peace of mind and things like that but there's a you know through that they're they're all they become these dynamics where you're kind of cutting banks out a little bit um and so you're maybe getting some of the margin that they would ordinarily be getting in that scenario you know ben i'm just completely flabbergasted about how companies can account for this like, what does the accounting look like in, in a crypto-centric business? Who do they report to even? Um, well, who they report to is a is a, is a question. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of people in the mix. Uh, you know, if you're moving money, then you you run into a lot of, uh, of the, the money transmission rules. If, you're, uh, if you've created a crypto asset and you're getting money in exchange for it and, and your investors have have the idea that this might go up and might be a good investment for them uh, in, in value, then the SEC is probably going to be interested. And so that kind of depends. Um, and uh, and how the accounting looks is uh, often uh, if, if you have a picture of a spread, giant spreadsheet that's on fire, that uh, that probably captures it. It's uh, it's kind of a, a jumble <laughs> of, <laughs> of manual calculations. And it's, it's, it's really, really difficult to account for this stuff. Um, and so that's why basically you have... Uh, a lot of these are very early stage companies that are that are doing the uh, engaging the types of transactions that you know large Fortune 100 companies do. You know, it's so they don't have accounting departments, they don't have compliance departments. You know, and so and so I think a lot of times the the complexity that's needed to track them, uh, you know, they kind of think they can get around it, and and, and eventually it. You could try a, a number of different ways to do it in a spreadsheet, and it and it just won't work. Ben, let's let's unpack that a little bit. Can you get into kind of specific ways that cryptocurrency impacts or, or complicates both accounting and financial reporting? Uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so I guess one thing is you know there's all these the the unique features of money uh, allow you to do accounting easier. That's that's kind of high level a way of putting it is. You know, you have something like um, accounts receivable. That's a, a dollar amount at the time you issue an invoice to a customer. But what if that's in crypto? Um, so it's you know, if and, and let's say you have to track crypto like you do stocks. 
Seems like that's going to be the case for most most of these. Still not 100% clear, though. Um, but if you do, now you have this thing that's a balance as of a point in time that also has to be tracked uh, with various cost layers. And it just kind of, it gets tricky. Um, and, and then, you know, that's an example of just something that maybe could be treated as cash, still unclear. Um, you know, right now it seems like it would fall under into other assets um, or tangible assets for for most cases. But what if it's something where you you issued your own coin and that's actually, it should be equity or some type of debt. Um, and then that is transacted uh, with uh, with other parties or, or, or you're, you, you trade that for, um, for Bitcoin or whatever the case is, it, it starts to really uh, get complicated when you have to track things at that level with the, the the separate cost layers identified. Can you clarify that a little bit? Maybe I'm I'm just completely dumb. Separate cost layers. So when you think about like if you're if you're trading on Fidelity or E Trade or something, um, you you buy Apple stock at one price, you buy a little more at another price, and a little more at another price, and then a year later you go to sell some fraction of those and you cross uh, buckets. So you, you have one share at, at, at one price and then another three at, at another price and you sell two of them. So you've now crossed into, into two different layers there. You need to know how much you got it for in order to, to account uh, for, for your gains or losses on that. And Fidelity you know, or E-Trade, they do this for you. They just provide you a report that shows that. Um, but you don't have that report if you're doing it yourself, especially if you've issued your own coin. And uh, a lot of these exchanges and other providers in the space, they're just they're they're new enough that they don't have a lot of that reporting either. So you're kind of in the middle with this, you know, this pretty complex tracking uh, project that you have to complete. So I got to geek out on this for a second, Ben. Is that done on a FIFO <laughs> or a LIFO basis? <laughs> Uh, depends on who you ask. <laughs> it's it seems like FIFO is going to be what is uh, the way is the way that you should do it in almost all cases. Um, maybe specific identification for uh, maybe brokered transactions that seems like it could be reasonable. Uh, again, we you know don't know. It's not clear. We try to <laughs> not advise anyone on this, um, but uh, we see we see some projects trying to use LIFO. Um, and uh, I, I understand why you'd want to do that, especially you've been holding if you've been holding Bitcoin for some time. But uh, for the same reason that you'd want to do it, that's probably the reason that, <laughs> that you're not going to be able to is, uh, is what it seems. Well, I'm relieved to hear that. You know, I do have a big block FIFO tattoo on my chest. So thank goodness <laughs> common sense is prevailing here. Uh, sounds like we're headed in the right direction. That was a good move. And, yep. you know, for the LIFO me, that was a good one. <laughs> <laughs> For the life of me, I think we might have to press pause on this particular episode. Hey, those of you at home, stay tuned for episode number two. We'll release it next week. Catch you on the next wave. Bye.